0: Hello and welcome to the business of authority. I'm Jonathan Stark,
1: and I'm Michelle Moulton.
0: And this week we're going to talk about the pros and cons of working solo versus starting a firm. Yes. Yeah, this is this is going to be a good one. Um, I have strong personal opinions about my preference, but I know the personal <laughs> opinions.
1: Well, I, I really wanted us to talk about this because uh, this question came up from one of my readers. And, um, he said, you know, he felt like his skill set as a marketing project manager lent itself better to working with a team of people to deliver. And so he was grappling with, does he stay solo or does he start a firm?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I would even say that there's, when we say firm, tell me if this is your definition of firm. I, I always picture the same kind of thing where it's, it's a bunch of, so like you do thing and when you, you decide to start a firm, you get a bunch of sort of junior employees who also do that thing versus hiring uh, a bunch of people under you to do support types of things, but they don't do your things. So like to me, that's not a firm. Okay. Th- that's just a bunch of employees that are supporting the, the sort of personality at the top who is like some sort of consultant or authority and goes out and does their thing, but doesn't like, rent out their employees to other to clients?
1: I think I would go with that with maybe one exception, which is they could be junior people, but they could also be your peers. Um, you know, I've done that and it's where, where your expertise is bringing work to other people who are at the same level of their career, maybe with different expertise, but they're your peers versus your juniors.
0: But employees or but not employees?
1: Uh, well, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think the classic def- definition of a firm is that they're employees. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've run them with employees and with contractors and with both. So I think I think that's an open question.
0: Yeah, to me, to me, it's so I am I. I want to say famously, like who, who, who the heck am I? But <laughs> but I I frequently say on the airwaves that uh, I'm just not a big fan of, I'm not a big fan of the, the expertise growth model where I, I try to grow the, grow the business by hiring mini me's to go do work on my behalf for clients. So like mm-hmm. I, I go out and, you know, uh, when I was in a firm, we sort of the principals, me and the, and the owner would write books and write magazine articles. And we were editors of big publications in the space. And we would attract all kinds of work, which we would then give to mini-me's that would, mm-hmm. and, and I don't mean to diminish that, most of them were better at it than I was, but they, you know, they, we, our expertise was the same and they just didn't want to do sales basically. So they were right. like, let's right. work for this firm and, and we would attract clients who needed this kind of work, uh, you know, de- you know, software development work, hands work, typing semicolons, and we would sort of farm it down to our employees and then we would kind of manage the project but we we were managers we're marketers right. and managers first and foremost right right to me that is that's like the firm right so, so anyway so that's that's but, what i'm thinking of
1: yeah but what i like about that definition which it feels very true for me is that it changes the kind of work that you do mm-hmm. when you're running a firm you are selling you are responsible for the vision, you're responsible, well, you're responsible for everything, right. right? I mean, I can remember sitting there at, you know, one o'clock in the morning trying to fix broken technology, you know, like under the <laughs> desk, putting wires together, you're responsible for everything. And it does mean that your own personal production looks very different. It's hard to serve clients as other than a manager, because you never know when one of these other things will pop.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So you, so kind, it's the weird part about it is for folks who have this skill that they sell, you know, whatever it is, let's say it's video production, then, you know, you you go, I'm going to grow the firm and you start hiring junior video production people. Now all of a sudden you're not doing video production anymore. And maybe, maybe that's cool. Maybe you are more. Of an entrepreneur, and you don't really want to do that work anymore. You want to work on the business, you want to build the business, you want to grow the business in that way, and you don't really miss, maybe a little bit, but you don't really miss doing the video production work. So um, that's sort of the more entrepreneurial mindset, I think, and the the more freelance slash consulting mindset is no, no, no. I'm going to do. I'm going to engage in this activity that I like, and I'm going to keep doing it. And I might hire support people to help me, you know, whatever, pick up my laundry and organize my calendar and book me plane tickets. But, yeah, again, I just don't see that as a firm. I, I see that as more of like a support model for a consultant or, you know, authority of some kind.
1: Well, I think maybe where this question came from is that this particular person is a marketing project manager. So that's somebody who, you know, by definition is managing projects that have a bunch of people in them. And so I think his question came from a place of, so do I stay solo and keep trying to sell into agencies or do I create a whole team and sell at a different level into an agency? And, you know, my, my response back was, well, how are you wired? What kind of work do you like to do? Cause it's not, it's, it's how you sell your work, but it's also how you want to work yourself.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's the giant difference to me. It's like, do you want to keep doing the thing that you do or do you want to hand it off? Are you sick of it? And you want to hand it off to people to do it for you. And then you sort of, sort of move up the, the, the ladder of the business.
1: Well, we're not even sick of it. I mean, there's situations where you can expand. I mean, I'm thinking of the first business um, that I started where you can expand your expertise by bringing in people who know more than you. So one of the things I love to do was, I, I mean, I loved to manage the client relationships. I just always loved that. And, you know, I'm a big picture thinker. So I would find somebody who was way smarter than me on a topic and we'd sit together with the client and I would learn something. Mm -hmm. Now, I wasn't doing it myself. I was managing the relationship, making sure it was getting done correctly. Obviously, we're not talking about something highly technical or I would have been uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with that. But it was a big picture strategic. In this case, it was strategic change. Um, It was fascinating. And I, I loved being able to grow in that way. But it's, it's a very, I mean, you really have to, um, in that situation, I match the business to how I like to work <laughs> and yeah. the people I wanted to work with.
0: And that's the key point. It, that I think that's the key point where if, if you, I think starting a firm, it's, uh, it's not for me at all. Not my, I am not wired that way. So, okay. Uh, the question that comes up in people's minds who are not wired that way, perhaps they don't even think about it like that. They don't think that they're not wired that way. The thing that bums me out is when people who are not wired that way and probably would be horrible managers, uh, feel like their only option for getting out of what's probably, you know, the hourly trap. The, the only way to increase their income is to multiply their hands by hiring, yeah. hiring a bunch of mini-me's to go out, you know, to bill out, mark up their hours. And geez, you know, I really don't think I'm going to enjoy this, but it's the only way to increase, you know, yeah. to, to, have a better living, a better lifestyle. That's to me, that's the tragedy of of starting a starting the firm for the wrong reasons because you're not just doing yourself a disservice, you're doing all these employees a disservice because you're going to be a horrible boss.
1: Oh, the worst. And and think about having to get up every day and drag yourself, even if it's virtual, you're dragging yourself to your computer and deal with all these people issues that you never imagined mm-hmm. having to deal with.
0: Oh, it's nonstop so i was having a conversation yesterday you know like people who haven't managed managed others have no idea how complicated it is <laughs> i mean like managers get a bad rap you know like it, it's it's a mm, i think it's often a thankless job but man when you get a great manager it's amazing and it you know yes. when i say manager i mean boss of any kind really it's like you know but the the kind of like a good man i'm thinking of a particular person who i know very well who's an amazing manager and and, you know, when you're, when you are like that, it is complicated. Like you've got employees, all sorts of personal issues that bleed into work all the time. And it's like, mm-hmm. how do you, you, you gotta, you gotta thread that needle constantly. And if you are not, like you said, if you're not wired that way and that doesn't energize you, it is going to, it is just going to bleed into your personal life. Like your employees' personal lives will bleed into your personal life, again, oh, yeah. guaranteed. Oh yeah. So And I am like, you know, I was talking to him the other day and he's telling me this really, it's not quite tragic story about one of the employees, but it's pretty upsetting. And I was getting upset and I'm not even involved. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I was like, you know, I was just saying to myself, I said to him, I'm like, this is why I I can't handle it. Like, I can't handle the, uh, the emotional roller coaster of having employees. So I just know, I suppose I'm lucky in the sense that it's hundred percent clear to me that I never want to have that kind of an arrangement because I can't handle it. Uh, so, you know, it leaves it sort of raises the question, okay, well how do how does someone who does want to be a soloist increase their income and grow their business if they're not going to hire a bunch of people?
1: Yeah. I mean, I keep coming back to, I, I, I met a, a woman a couple of weeks ago. I've been working with her, A PR agency for a client. And I finally met her in person. And I was talking to her and I was complimenting her on her point of view and her people. I mean, they really are an extraordinary team, really the the best I've worked with so far. And I know how hard that is to create it and keep it. And then she told me that when she wakes up at 4am thinking about her business, her first thought always is, how am I going to keep my people? How am I going to keep them? How am I going to get the clients that are that are the right clients, the issues that are interesting to them? How am I going to keep growing? And I, I feel like, for me, that's sort of a barometer, is you have to not only care about the answer to that question, you have to work at it constantly. It's mm-hmm. like finding that right client work and keeping your people happy. It never stops. And you go, you see this moment where everything is perfect. As you pass through it,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a set it and forget it kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I'll tell you one of the things I learned in you know in building a business that way, and I had great people. I loved that business, but I did get to the point where I said, you know what, I, I'm I'm tired of doing this. I I want to focus on my work, on what I contribute versus managing clients and revenue, I wanted it to be about, about the work about the thought leadership about all of that. And, and that's, you know, that's when I sold the firm.
0: Was there a moment when you knew, though? Like, was there like a particular, like, because I'm trying to think, you know, for on the listeners behalf, if they're like, well, I don't know, I've never managed anyone, I don't know if I'd like it or not sort of thing. So how, how would you take your own temperature on that?
1: Well, if somebody – I mean, for me, I'd, I'd manage people or, or lead people is maybe a better word for consulting because mm-hmm. you don't really manage people there. You, yes. you, you try to lead them if if, if you can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like herding cats.
0: Yeah, developers um, are the same way.
1: Yeah, and and I think that if you haven't, then the last thing you should do is to start a firm. I think what you do instead is you try it out. You try contracting with somebody and to be very upfront about, you know, I haven't done this before and you know, and and you, you pick, hopefully you pick the right person, but don't worry if you don't, because everybody picks badly at some point and sometimes serially (laughs) makes some bad picks. Right. And so, so you start that and you be very open with that other person about, about how it might work. And I would argue you don't take big risks. In other words, you don't all of a sudden change the name of your firm and or or your company. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't, um, you don't give up all your clients. You don't um, put them on salary from from the beginning. You know, you 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 can tiptoe into this and discover how good you are at it, and and whether you like it or not.
0: Yes, that's great advice. Mm-hmm. I even know I have uh, a couple of students who uh, have like long term ten year contractors. So like they basically they basically have a virtual firm. I guess mm-hmm. is what you'd call it. Where the sort of lead person maintains a high profile and does all the marketing and sales and, and even, you know, uh, as not project management, but I suppose it would be accounts, cert- you know, they keep the client happy during projects Right. and make sure that everything's on track, some, some oversight, but not so much development or anything. And, you know, it just, just, ha- you know, keeps his contractors happy and they mm-hmm. are, they are delighted to, have this steady stream of high quality work where they are essentially not, not micromanaged, allowed to do their best work and not have to worry about sales or any of that stuff. And they just sort of, um, you know, it's different. Some of its invoices, some of its, some of its fixed price, but regardless, um, it's, it, it can last for a really long time, you know, so you don't have to have like, you know, like you're saying, you can tiptoe into it. You, you could kind of keep it that way. You I could. certainly have a number of examples where people are do, or they'll have like an entire um, a, a sort of a partnership with a body shop of some kind, you know, offshore that is a really strong relationship. And uh, it allows you to scale up and down very quickly because somebody else actually is doing all the the, the human resources stuff and the hiring and firing and all of that. And you just kind of say, hey, you know, I'm going to need four extra people for the next three months. And they're like, all right, here you go.
1: Well, I'm I'm debating whether to say this out loud, but Mm -hmm. but let's let's give it a try. Um, I'm thinking that there is a difference between a contractor and an employee mindset. There is. It's one of the things I learned in my first business is that I found that that there were people who really wanted to be contractors. You know, I had employees and I had contractors, and most of the contractors didn't want to be an employee. Mm -hmm. They had started their own firms for a reason but they typically hated selling. And so they liked working on teams from time to time, but they didn't want to have to commit to it all the time. So I loved working with those, those folks because I just love their mindset. I totally understood it. Um, they were loyal to the work always. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I, I found them, you know, really a, a good source of coworkers, if you will. Now the employee mindset is a little different. It's And sometimes it's about whether they wanna sell or not, but other times it's really, it's a security issue. Mm -hmm. They want that, they want a job job is what I call it. And Mm -hmm. so I'm thinking maybe if you start to look at people and you you, to to help you in some way, you look at what's their mindset. Do they really want to be an employee versus a contractor, which means they're probably not gonna stay with you very long if you don't have an employee model. Or are they committed to being a contractor and you can um, help each other in a mutually beneficial way.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that in general. But I have seen plenty of of kind of counter examples where, <laughs> you know, it's not – I would agree with it in general. That generally you're going to get a more you – know, a shorter term but more entrepreneurial person who's committed to the work with a contractor. And that employees are much more about the security. But like I said, I, I've seen a non-trivial number of counter examples, but especially on the contractor side where they're incredibly loyal uh, to the, to the, the business, not the work necessarily I mean, yes, the work, but also the business where they just like, mm-hmm. they're so, cause the, the thing that happens so, and they're usually all soloists and the thing that seems to happen, I'm thinking of specific examples. And I think it's true of all of them where they sort of got fed up being an employee for whatever reason, and left to go on their own and then realize, wow, I don't have any of the skills I need to actually run a business, you know, because there are so many things that employees tend to take for granted about the business stuff and just get into this comfortable relationship where they have an employee like security without feeling like they have a boss per se. Right. So I think it, you know, poof, you're going to. That feels
1: like a freelancer as you're saying that. And you know, we talked about the difference between a freelancer and a business owner.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think I, what I'm, what I'm saying is like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring too many preconceived notions to which model you want first or whether or not your contractors are going to abandon you after two weeks. Um, I think <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of the sort of stage bets kind of uh, calculated risk type of things. So, almost always with, with few exceptions, every once in a while, I'll just leap and just be like, well, I hope net shows up, but not too often. Usually I'll do exactly what you recommended, which would be to dip my toe in the water in a way that was super transparent to the, the other party and, and probably start with, um, kind of test drive the relationship with a contracting kind of relationship. And then, just keep a conversation open, you know, like, does it right. turn into an employee thing? Would the, would the person feel more secure if that's the way it was? Would you be comfortable with all that entails, you know, to take the person on as an employee, a W-2 employee in the US? Or is it better to just keep building out these contractors or maybe create a partnership with uh, a staffing firm, essentially? You know, with uh, with with people who do the production implementation kind of labor slash hands work that you used to do.
1: Yeah, I think it still all comes back to you know how are you wired, and it's really easy when you've been in multiple business models and you know and you've done this for a while to go, oh well, I'm you know I'm wired this way. Earlier in your career, you know, you, you may not know yet. Right, it's like, gee, I want to try this. I mean, in my own case, when I started my first business, I'd been in a in a big consulting firm, and I was, you know, running client relationships and I was consulting. But I wanted to build client relationships, I wanted to consult, and I wanted to run a business. And there was no way at that time in that firm to do all three. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I created my own so I could do all three. I mean, I truly built it around what I thought the marketplace needed, and you know, more importantly to my peace <laughs> of mind, how I want it to work.
0: Right. Yep. Yeah. I just
1: think it's you, you experiment and you see what works and, and, you know, be careful with the big leaps, not saying never do it. Big leaps can be really fun. <laughs> um, but when you're playing with other people's lives and careers, uh, I think smaller leaps are better.
0: Right. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's the same. It's the same thing. I, uh, there's a piece of advice I give to people who are talking about hiring their friends, especially like, Oh, I'm going to, it's going to be great. I'm going to start this firm. I'm going to get the clients. My friends are going to do the work. And I'm like, that's, Uh, that's, that's cool. But (laughs) you know, I I say to people like, you're not ready to hire someone until you're ready to fire someone. And when they think Mm -hmm. of it, like, Oh, do I want to fire my college buddy? That could come to pass like that. Mm -hmm. You might have to fire your best friend. And if you're not ready to do that, then you probably shouldn't hire your best friend (laughs) <laughs> so you know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's sort of a yeah. dark way to look at it, but I do like to kind of like look. This is super fun when it's all new and you know. But oof, I've just seen it play out.
1: Well, one of the things you know we've talked on on this on this show about um, doing manifestos and a point of view. One of the things that I found super helpful that I just stumbled into um accidentally was when I started that first firm, we didn't call it a manifesto, but we we did a list and it was about a page long. And it was just some bullet points. And, it, and we said, you know, here's what we believe to be true, because we were trying to create a different business model than the traditional consulting firms. And so we had this one page. And the idea with that one page was we wanted to be able to hire from that one page. We wanted to be able to to say yes or no to a client from that one page. We wanted to decide whether we made investments in the business and which ones from that one page. So we we used that. And so what we started to do is whenever we would even talk to somebody about working with us, we'd hand them the one page. hmm and it was like a shorthand. We had to have the deeper conversations if there, you know, if there was some chemistry. But it was shorthand for this is what we want to create. Is this what you want to create? Mm-hmm. You know, and cool. getting that on a page, especially early on, it it forces you to really think about that, and then have a way to talk about it with anybody you partner with, whether they're an employee, a contractor, um, an alliance partner you know, it gives you that kind of big picture, uh, agreement that you're headed in the right direction.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, that opens up the whole concept of building a, a company or a firm culture and what mm-hmm. do we stand for you know, mission, vision, values, all that stuff. And, uh, that I'm sure that was super helpful. That sounds, that sounds great. I, I, I can't think of a situation where I've encountered that kind of a thing, but I can see that it'd be super, super valuable.
1: Well, remember we were hiring um, MBA moms, and these were people who the Wall Street Journal called refugees from the big firms. I mean, they were <laughs> leaving in droves, and so we wanted them, but we only wanted certain kinds of people. We wanted, you know, people who would who, who really their allegiance was to the work and to their to the, the what I think of as a virtual project team. It wasn't, in fact, always virtual, but it changed. It was like the Hollywood model, right? Client X gets this team, client Y gets this team, and you mix them up. Mm-hmm. And not everybody works well in that kind of an environment. But the people who did were amazing. I would have, I would have gone to the ends of the earth to support them. They were, it was really terrific people. Wow, that sounds cool. Yeah. So um, that's not to say that that everybody should start a firm. Um, right. You know, my firm, you know, lasted for six years, and and that was. You know, at the time that seemed like a short period of time today, one might argue it's longer, um, but it's that it's how are you wired and how do you want to deliver your expertise to your marketplace? And that business model that you create has to reflect you and it should reflect the market. But if you let it reflect the market and not you, you're doomed to being unhappy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like you're making, you're making, whatever you want to call it. You're building a lifestyle. You're building a business. You're creating this work environment for yourself. You might as well create one you love, right? Like, if you feel like you're being forced into a a a mode or a model or a suit that doesn't fit you by the demands of the marketplace, slow down, partner. Yeah. You know, there's there's they're really, I mean, I'm not saying that every business idea is a great one and everyone's going to be successful, obviously, but, but don't go down a path that you're pretty sure you're going to hate just because, well, that's the only way I can make ends meet, you know? Well, no, there's probably a, a million ways you could make end, ends meet, including going back and getting a job while you think about it. So mm, pressuring that's yourself. A good point. Yeah. I mean like pressuring yourself into, uh, it's the it's the multiple relationships thing that really gets me. Like dragging employees into this situation and and them making big, you know, it's a fairly big decision about your life. Maybe it's less so than it was in the past, but deciding who you're going to work for sometimes it involves moving. Uh, mm-hmm. It could involve spinning down other businesses. It could mean firing clients. It's a lot of you know. There's a lot of sort of ripple effects of hiring someone. And yeah, I mean, I, you kind of, you kind of nailed it out of the gate. It's like It's like be super transparent with, with a small group of people who you, you know, perhaps contract with initially so that it's like this sort of dipping your toe in the water effect to see if, if it suits you to start a firm. And really the big takeaway, the big takeaway for me is like, if you already know you're not wired like that, or if you start to do that and you're like, you know what? I really just like doing my thing. I like engaging in my skill and delivering my expertise that way. And I'd rather do that and have support people take over the, minutia and administrative aspects of my job then go that that way but recognize mm-hmm. that it's two different things two different kinds of hires it's completely different
1: well I think the other thing you know is is y- you also have to have the cash to create a firm and you know make no mistake it requires cash mm-hmm. there are things you have to do when you create a firm that you need money for I think you have to have patience And it's patience with people, with processes, and I think you have to have the humility to run it. So it's, are you wired that way? And do you have the cash, the patience, and the humility to run a firm?
0: Yeah. Are you a leader? Yeah. So, all right. And if you don't, dear listener, I'm here to tell you that there is a different way to grow your business as a soloist. I know I'm always banging on this drum, but you can grow your your, uh, solo business or maybe you've got support staff, but... Uh, by being the sort of uh, face of the business, just stop billing by the hour, not just like it's easy, but if you stop billing <laughs> by the hour and leverage your expertise into, you know, a, a range of products and services that are disconnected from time, you know, your time, then you can grow a huge business, you know, mm-hmm. huge from a, from a, a profit standpoint.
1: So yeah, it's, it's, it's the authority model mm-hmm. you're referring to mm-hmm. where you build it not through people but through different ways to apply your expertise in, in products and services that people pay for. Exactly. Like a product and service ladder, Jonathan.
0: <laughs> we should do an episode <laughs> about that. <laughs>
1: we need to. We need a whole episode just on that.
0: Exactly. Is there anything we should add before we go?
1: I, I think I just want to make clear that there is no like one right answer, you know, solo versus firm. It's, it's individual. And, and there's no shame in either. They're, they're each wonderful models for different reasons. And you just have to pick the right approach for you.
0: Perfect. Tweetable. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. Well, thanks for joining us this week. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Rochelle Moulton.
0: And we hope to see you again next week on the Business of Authority.
1: Bye. Bye-bye.